Please do turn with me to John's Gospel and to chapter 9. My message tonight for us all is entitled, How Christ Sees Us. John chapter 9, and I'd like to focus really on verse 1 and then a few other verses. Verse 1 reads as follows, And as Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, passed by, or we might say, drew near, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. One of the many thousands of miracles which the Lord Jesus did. He did miracles over nature, but we think tonight particularly of one of his healing miracles. He healed lepers. He healed those who were demon-possessed. Their minds were deranged, occupied by spirits. They were out of control, and the Lord healed them. But here we have a different kind of condition. A man who was blind from birth. That's not that unusual. There are many blind in the day and age that we live in. But most of those, I dare say, in this country who are blind, they have become blind. They got some illness. Or maybe their sight has gradually faded as they've got older, or maybe there was an accident or some such thing. But this man was born blind. This is very significant, a miracle, a healing miracle. People confuse when Christ healed. They think that we have a right for healing all the way through down the years. That's not true. The healing miracles of the Lord Jesus had a number of purposes. They were, of course, to give sight, to let those who were crippled and maimed walk, the leper have clean skin. Yes, that's a wonderful benefit. But they had a spiritual meaning, a meaning which is for us and for all time. Let me just tell you five things that we learn from the healing miracles of the Lord Jesus. They show the transformational, unmistakable power. Nobody healed like Christ. Yes, people claim today they are gifted healers. Why don't they go to the hospitals and empty the wards? Why don't they do it at will because they can't? Yes, we can pray for healing, and the Lord does hear prayer. But nobody but nobody can heal like the Lord Jesus. Today, the Lord heals through prayer and through the exercising of faith upon those that pray. But the Lord Jesus, when he said the word, the person, the man, the woman, the child, was healed. And this is a picture of how Christ can transform a life spiritually by his power and uniquely. Secondly, it showed everybody his identity. Well, it showed them, but as we read in this passage, even when there was unmistakable proof 
the Pharisees kept on questioning, how has this man been healed? Has he been healed? Was it a different man? Has this been a mistake? Surely there's a rational explanation for why this man claims to have been given his sight. But there's no doubt about it. Thousands were healed. Tens of thousands witnessed, multiplied up. There is no doubt to those who had an open mind that the Lord Jesus healed and he was revealing himself to be the only Lord and the only Savior. We can have no doubt about that. Thirdly, he was showing his authority. We see it here in this passage. He just says the word, go, wash, provided the people obey, provided they exercise just a little bit of faith and obey, then the healing power is given to the soul. His authority is over all. He said the word and the whole world came into existence. He said the word and the waves were stilled. He had authority over all things, nature, sickness, and over the heavens and the earth. But fourthly, he needed to show his credentials that he was the only one that could heal. He was the only one that could heal physically. He gave that gift to the disciples and the apostles for a time so that they could be authenticated before the word of God was complete so the Jews had no doubts and no excuses to believe. But this was to show his credential that he is the only one that heals the soul. These are spiritual pictures. He's the only one that can heal my broken soul because of my sin. Fifthly, the permanent nature of Christ's work. Sometimes people say, I went to such and such a meeting and I was healed, I I threw away my crutches. I've heard people say that. And then they had to go to the hospital because they weren't really healed, but not when Christ healed. When Christ healed, it was irreversible. This man's sight was given, and I'm sure he never lost it again. Well, I want to look at these verses. Look at verse 1, the Words are very, very significant. And as Christ Jesus passed by. I'm just going to pause at that. It doesn't mean a bypass when you have a road that goes round a town. No, Christ didn't do that. He drew near. He was going to Jerusalem, passing along a road. And there was a beggar. A man who was blind, begging, with some vessel in front of him. The Lord Jesus draws near and he sees one man in a crowd. Christ's eyes 
Catch hold of this one man sat there begging. He probably would never pass by that way again. We don't know, but very often the Lord Jesus, as he was traveling, there was that one opportunity. And you know tonight, this might be the unique opportunity for somebody here tonight. Your one opportunity when Christ would pass by your life, your soul. You know, there have been many people in this building since 1894 when Christ came and drew nigh to them personally in their soul, in their heart, in their mind, the unique opportunity. Do you know we've prayed for it? This week we've had a prayer meeting. Many of us have prayed, I trust, for tonight that Christ would pass by and come and meet individually. It's an obvious thing to say. But the man couldn't see Christ. But Christ could see the man. And you know that's our problem, isn't it? We can't see Christ. We think physically. People think of idols that they can see and God says, no idols. You can't see me, but I can see you. Christ draws near to this man and the man didn't know anything of it. Maybe he heard a rustling, a noise, because when Christ traveled, usually people went with him. Maybe the noise of the crowd went up a bit. There's a rustling. What's happening? But the man didn't know. No evidence that he knew, but Christ knew the man. And Christ, it says, saw a man. One man. Not a crowd. One man. Christ's eyes set upon one man. He could tell the man was blind. You know, you often can. Blind people, especially those who've been blind from birth, their eyes may be, can I say, distorted, maybe all a blur, bloodshot, maybe. But Christ didn't have to be told. This man was blind from birth. And you know this question is asked in verse 2. The disciples, they should have known better. The disciples say, Lord, who sinned? Nonsense. Superstition. Do you know people believe this today? If you have an affliction, if you have some problem, it must be because you did something wrong or your parents did something wrong. That's not true. That's what Job's friends said to him. Because you have boils, because your children have died, because you're afflicted, you must have sinned. The Lord Jesus says, no. This man was born blind. It was in his DNA. We all have DNA, information that we're born with. Sometimes... Because of the devolution of information, because information is being lost from each generation to the next, some of the DNA misfires. 
We end up with things not quite working. It wasn't because this man had sinned. He was born with this condition. He could not see. It wasn't that his parents sinned or he had sinned. It was from birth. The Lord Jesus says, be quiet. Your superstitions, again, that's what the Pharisees believed. Your life that you live is a direct consequence of your parents, what they call karma, bad karma. What a nonsensical thought. No, that's not the case. We live in a fallen world. Each generation, there is a depletion of our genetic code, and as each generation succeeds, things go wrong. You can't see, or you can't hear, or you have some other medical condition, and it's a thing that you were born with. You can't help it. The Lord Jesus says, he saw a man that was blind from birth. He sees a need. This man had a need that just occupied and dominated his whole life. And the Lord knew that. And he sees you and me. We have a condition. It's spiritual blindness. And we were born with it. Nobody is born seeing and understanding spiritual things. This is what this is going to teach. The Lord Jesus sees, and in his compassion and love, he fixes his gaze upon an individual. Do you know he doesn't come to families? He doesn't come in mass crusades or towns. He comes to an individual. As Jesus drew near and drew to this man, he saw one man which was blind from his birth. What a picture of us. Christ sees me, and I can't see him. I have no interest in him. I don't know about him. I don't know that he's looking at me and drawing near to me. I have no light, no understanding. I don't know the way to heaven. I don't know about my condition because I don't really know any better. People say, you're blind. What does that mean to me? I've never seen. I've never seen the trees. Never seen the sunset. To me, you're speaking a language I don't understand. Do you know that's what it's like before you're a Christian? We sit in darkness. We don't understand. We've got no comprehension of our need. And the Lord Jesus draws near to where I'm sat, begging, looking perhaps for money, but what I don't need is money. What I need is sight. This is the picture that the Lord Jesus records for us here. Why did he heal this man? Let's ask that question to show that the Lord can heal anyone. To show the Lord has compassion upon a boy, upon a girl, upon a man, upon a woman. And to teach us there's no condition that he can't reach. You say, I, I can't help it. I was born a sinner. Oh, the Lord 
can come and heal. And he heals this man to show that conversion, coming to Christ, becoming a Christian, is about obeying a commandment. You notice that? We're going to see it. This man is going to have to obey. He's going to have to get up, exercise his muscles, his faith muscle, and obey the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is healing this man to show his glory before all the religious leaders. They won't have any excuse. One more miracle proving who he is. And the Lord Jesus confirms his identity. He's going to say for the second time, he said it back in chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Verse 12. And he says it again, chapter 9 and verse 5. Don't have any doubt. I am the light of the world. What a statement. To a blind man sitting there who's never seen the light, who doesn't understand what the sun is. He doesn't have to open his curtains in the morning because they're shut for the whole day. And the Lord Jesus says, I am the light of the world. When does Christ see you and me? He sees us sat, begging, looking for the wrong source of help, looking for money when we need spiritual help. He sees us when no one else is looking. When no one else wants to help us, when most people would pass us by, but Christ comes and he draws near. And how does he see us? He sees us as sinners in need of salvation. That's all I am. I'm just a sinner with a begging bowl. And he sees me with this life-dominating condition, born a sinner without spiritual sight, a condition that I was born with in sin. Did my mother conceive me, says the psalmist. I was born into sin and shapen in iniquity, says David. This is my condition, and Christ sees me. Do you know it's a condition like blindness? What a picture. Imagine living with blindness the whole of your life. Your capacity has been shrunk. You can't type on a computer. You can't be a photographer. You can't really be a writer. You have to dictate. Some blind people have done that marvelously. But your whole life is limited. Many jobs you can't have. You can't be a surgeon. You can't be a dentist. You're limited. And that's a picture of us. Before we know Christ, we're just physical. We can eat. We can hear, smell, touch. But one whole part of our life, shut off. A condition that only Christ 
can change. Well, let's look at what Christ says to the man. Here's the Lord Jesus. He sees the man. He's blind. The disciples ask a question. Do you know what Christ says to this man? Nothing. He draws near and he preaches a sermon. He doesn't address the man. That's quite interesting. He sees the man's need. He knows he can heal him. He knows he's born blind and he is his only hope. And he doesn't say a word to him. Instead, he uses the question to preach a sermon. I am the light of the world. What a sermon. A sermon specifically addressed to a man who was blind. But he's addressing everybody. Just like when you stand up to preach, I never preach to one individual. We preach the word of God and it's impersonal. And yet the message was tailored for that one person. That's what Christ does in this wonderful way. As long as I'm in the world, this man's ears are plucking up. I am the light of the world. That's what I need. I need sight. I need help. This man, he says, he's the one that lit the world. He did. He's the man who's twice said, he said it in chapter 8, chapter 9, I am the light of the world. I can't doubt. I've got to take him at his word. I've got to believe him. The Lord Jesus stops the sermon after one sentence. He gets down to the ground. I don't know whether the man had any understanding of this. And he spits Sure, there was silence after Christ said those words in verse 5. And he makes mud. What a strange thing to do. The man couldn't see what Christ was doing. Neither can we. Before we're converted. But then he felt that mud rubbed on his eyes. What's he doing to me? Oh, it's all got in my eye. The man could have taken offense. Offense at the dirt. Offense at the mud. What's he doing to me? But no, the man already has some faith. Whatever he's doing, I'm going to trust. I'm going to believe that this is for me. Just For me, he doesn't know how, he doesn't know what. He doesn't know how this is going to make him better and it does nothing to his eyes. He rubs them. He feels the grit. But he can't see. He's not been healed. Why did he do that? Was the power in the mud? No, not at all. Is there going to be power in the water when he goes and washes? No, there is never power in physical things. The power is in the word. Let's look and see what happens. What does the Lord say to the man? Nothing initially, 
but he's going to test the man's faith. Will the man obey? Will he believe? Will he believe that I am the light of the world, the only one that can heal? Well, let's see. Now he speaks directly to the man. Verse 7, he said unto him, the man with the dirty, mud-covered eyes, go, wash. That's the gospel. Get off your seat, stand up. Why? Because Christ says go. Okay, I must obey. What must I do? Wash. I can't wash. I need help. I don't know where to go. Oh, ask somebody for help to lead you, to guide you. Go wash in the pool. Do you know, it's very likely the man would have washed the whole of his body because the pool referred to here as the pool of Siloam is the same pool in 2 Kings 20. When King Hezekiah was king in Jerusalem and Sennacherib, the Assyrian king came with his great army, Hezekiah tunneled, and the waters flowed. And the city of Jerusalem, where there could have been death, there was life because of the water, life-giving water to all the people in Jerusalem, the church, because of the faith of Hezekiah. And now, 800 years later, Christ sends one man to go to the pool of Siloam. This pool was 225 feet long, 70 meters longer than this chapel. And you know, amazingly, it was discovered in 2004. Up until then, people thought it was the upper pool, but then they discovered a lower pool. Less than 20 years ago, this very place was discovered. Josephus, in the first few centuries, wrote about the pool of Siloam. It was then excavated and discovered. And this very place where the Lord Jesus said, go and wash, was dug up. The corners were slightly wider than 90 degrees. It was a little bit more like a round, not quite, pool. Very long, very deep. That's where the Lord Jesus sent the man. There was water gushing up. That's what the word sent means, the pool of Siloam. Will the man be offended by the mud? Do you know this is a picture of the cross? Many people take offense at the cross. Blood? The death of a man? What's that got to do with me? I need to be washed in the blood of a man that died 2,000 years ago in my mind? How is this possible? Go and wash. That's what Christ says. Go and wash in the pool. Take the mud off your eyes. Wash probably your whole body. Will the man go? No, I'm going to wait. 
I'm going to sit here a bit longer. That's not good enough for me, the words of Christ, that's not good enough. I will wait for a miracle. No, says Christ, the miracle will come when you go and wash. When you believe. When you put your faith in my word. The man didn't stay. He went, he got up straight away. Help me, help me, lead me. He's told me, the pool of Siloam, I've heard of it, but I don't know how to get there. Guide me. The man went. He went his way, therefore, and washed. That's all it says. This is the man's conversion. He exercises faith in Christ, faith in the word. He doesn't take offense. He knows his need. And he believes that Christ will give him sight. That's the gospel. Sight to a blind individual man. You've read the rest of the chapter. Many people doubted. What does the man say? He told me to go. I went. I washed. And I saw. That's my testimony. I went to Christ. He washed me in his blood. I believed it had power. And I came. And my sins were taken away. And my whole life was changed. Just imagine this man's life. All of a sudden. He could see himself. He could see his family. His new family. The disciples no doubt became close friends of his. He could see the trees, the beauty all around him. He had perception. He could see other blind people. I'm sure he would have helped them. He had relationships now where he could feel and he could empathize because he could see needs. And you know the sights that he saw would have exceeded all expectations. This is conversion. I was born a sinner. The Lord told me, go and wash. And I went by faith, by prayer. I went to the cross of Christ and everything that I needed was there. I needed to be washed and cleansed in the blood. Do you know that mud? Let me close with this. That mud is like the blood of Christ. Can I say that? Christ made it. It's offensive. The cross of Christ, Paul said, was a stumbling block, but not to this man. This man accepted he was being tested. Would he stay or would he go? What will you do tonight? Will you go by faith to the cross? Simply to the cross I cling. Empty hands I bring. That's the message of the gospel. I come with nothing. I go to the cross. 
I exercise faith in Christ and he washes me clean and my life is totally transformed. I have a potential that I never had. I can see, I can live and now I can have an even more useful life than I ever had before. Oh, the Christian life. Go and wash. Let's pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, we see in these simple words the message of life to one blind man. Lord, may there be blind men and women and children tonight that by faith go to the cross and they are washed clean of their sin, the condition that they were born with. O Lord, pass to our lives tonight and heal us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.